We're going to start in verse 25 and read down through verse uh, 35. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul. This is the word of the Lord. I was thinking this week about this passage, and it took me back, one of the, the things that I thought um, took me back to many, many years ago. So we haven't had, uh, Jenna turns 17 this week, and so we haven't had a kid, a little kid in our house in a long time. But it took me back to, uh, you guys remember Johnson & Johnson baby shampoo? Now, I'm going to date myself here, and I don't, like, I haven't been paying attention to baby stuff in a really long time. And so I don't know if everybody's going to know this or, or if, uh, if I'm just dating myself, but I, I wasn't sure. I, I looked. Back in the day, they used to have a, a theme or a motto, a slogan with Johnson & Johnson baby shampoo, and it's still on here too. Um, it's no more, what's the third word? All right, good. I'm not as old as everybody. That's good. All right. It's no more tears. And, and it even it says on, on there, as gentle to the eyes is pure water. So the idea, of course, is you have a baby and he doesn't know or she doesn't know when to close her eyes when you're shampooing. And so you can use this, and this is so gentle. It's just like water coming down. It's not going to irritate their eyes. You're not going to end up with a screaming baby. And so this is a safe and harmless, Johnson Johnson says, this is as safe and harmless as a gift. So you can use this. No irritation, no problems at all. Everything's going to be wonderful. And as I was thinking about that, you know, of course, we gathered for Christmas Eve. It's always beautiful with all the candles and everything in here. And we go home, and yesterday we had trees surrounded by our presents, and that's always beautiful and everything. And sometimes and we use the word safe and harmless. Sometimes we make Christmas into something that's safe and harmless as well. In our passage for this morning, we talked last week about where it talked about them marveling at Jesus. And right after that, Simeon says something that is not safe and harmless. It's a challenge. If you have your sermon outline, let's start there today. Uh, the question we want to ask is, is Jesus' kingdom like no more tears shampoo? Is Jesus' kingdom like no more tears shampoo? Is it just safe and, and everything's wonderful and everybody's going to come together and it's all going to be great? Is it that kind of a safe, harmless, nobody's going to get hurt, there's going to be no difficulties at all? Well, what I want to concentrate on this morning, I just talked about 
in 35, I'm sorry, in 33, where he says, it says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So they're impressed, as Simeon said those things earlier that we unpacked in the week prior, as Simeon said all those things about uh, Jesus, they're marveling at that. And, and it's easy in that moment to just kind of be amazed at that and think, oh man, this is going to be all upside. It's all good. But then, and this is what we're going to concentrate on this morning, in 34 and 35, it says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, and then he makes, and I'm going to divide up into three sections, then he says three things that aren't exactly safe and harmless. The second thing in your outline this morning is this. Simeon speaks of a kingdom that is less happy and harmless and more controversial and confrontational. Simeon speaks of a kingdom that is less happy and harmless and more controversial and confrontational. All three phrases in 34 and 35 are, are challenging. It, it's difficult. I would kind of liken them to, I, I was thinking about um, if, if you would normally have, uh, let's say, a basketball team. So you have a high school basketball team, and let's say they've been mediocre for a while. They're, they're winning a few games, maybe they get to 500, and they want to be a, a team that's at the top. And so you have a, a new coach come in, and everybody's all excited. we got a new coach. We're gonna, this is a coach with a, a proven track record. We're going to be great. And so everybody's excited because we're on the ride. But then he actually shows up, and he starts a, an off-season conditioning program, and they hadn't had that before, and the guys don't like having to come out five days a week and work out, and there's there's some grumbling because it's not easy like they were hoping. And then they, um, they get into starting to practice and he doubles the time of practice. They used to practice for an hour and a half and now they're practicing for three hours because he wants them to be great. And there's some more grumbling. There's the, the star player that honestly is kind of lazy. And he challenges that player. He's like, listen, you've got to step up or I'm going to put you on the bench. We're not going to just go on your talent. You've got to have work ethic as well. And, and he starts complaining. Maybe there's a couple of other players who, um, who weren't hustling in the game and they get benched even though they were starters last year. And as you time, by the time you get into the season, oh, we want a new coach. We want to be great. We want to be great. And then by the time you get into the season, everybody's grumbling. Why? They wanted to be great, but they didn't want to do what it took to get there. And as we think about this kingdom, as you look at 34 and 35, Jesus starts to, or I'm sorry, Simeon starts to unpack this kingdom that Jesus is going to bring. And, and as you look at that, um, Jesus' kingdom comes into the world and there is a vested interest all over the place in terms of there are certain people with power and there are certain people with influence. And as Jesus' kingdom comes into the world, it's not safe and harmless where, listen, we're not going to offend anybody, we're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. Jesus' kingdom comes in to shake things up. Jesus' kingdom comes in to make a difference. And as he does that, all of a sudden, you, know, you kind of think, oh yeah, we want the kingdom of God, we want the kingdom of God. But then, things start actually happening. And some people who have power start to lose some power. Some people who have influence start to lose some influence. Guess what happens when people who have power and influence lose it? There's grumbling. There's complaining, there's opposition, there's people angry. And so we want to look today in these verses and talk about what exactly is Jesus' kingdom bringing? What is Simeon predicting that Jesus' kingdom is going to bring? And I want to look at a few examples as we go through. So let's start in 34, and then we'll hop around to a couple other passages in the book of Luke. So 
the first thing he says is this. Look in 34 with me. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. The first thing is this. Jesus' kingdom is going to rearrange who is considered up and down. Jesus' kingdom is going to, re- is going to rearrange who is considered up and down. Again, it's easy to read that statement, just kind of, it's pretty words. No, listen to what he says there. He says, this child is destined. In other words, this isn't just a, a, a thing off to the side. This is his mission. This is his destiny. This is what he is going to go do. And it's not just going to happen accidentally. This child is destined to cause. He's going to be the one making it happen. And what's going to happen? It says, the cause, a destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. What does that mean? Well, it means that there are some that are down low that are going to be lifted up, and there's some that are up high that are going to be taken down. What does that look like? Well, I want to look at a couple passages, but let's talk about the two obvious examples. The Pharisees are at the top of the food chain, aren't they? They think that they're all that in a bag of chips, and everybody bows down to their authority. And as Jesus comes, he looks at them and doesn't say, you guys are great, man. What you all are doing is awesome. He calls them a brood of vipers. He tells them that they're not doing God's will at all. And so in the kingdom of God, they were at the top, and they're coming down to the bottom. On the other hand, there are, there are tax collectors and prostitutes who right now, as Jesus comes in, nobody likes and, and, and nobody gives any moral authority to or any moral interest in. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes and says, guess what? You're loved by God. And they rise up. And those that are, many that are high come down, and many that are low come up. Let's look at a couple of examples. Keep your finger here in Luke 2, but flip over to Luke chapter 5. We'll just look at two examples real quick. Luke chapter 5. And verse 27, Luke 5, 27, it says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large, collect- a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to Jesus, complained to his disciples, I'm sorry, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? You see, here we find those tax collectors and sinners who are at the bottom, and now Jesus says, I'm going to come and I'm going to eat with you. They were being risen up, whereas the other hand, the Pharisees didn't like what Jesus was doing, and they they were being knocked down. Now, that's different than there was a system before where the Pharisees were at the top and the tax collectors and sinners were at the bottom. Now, Jesus rearranges it. The question we need to ask today is this. Am I thankful that I am part of the kingdom of God where no matter how much you've sinned, where no matter where you're at in society, that we know that God loves you, that we know that you are valued by God and that God wants to lift you up. Are you thankful this morning to be part of a kingdom of God where nobody is beyond the grace of God? Amen? We're thankful to have that. That's a rearranging. Before, they're down, it's too bad, because we're at the top. And Jesus comes in, and as Jesus is doing this rearranging, he's a teacher of some influence, and he sits down each with these folks. And the Pharisees, they come and they're like, what are you guys doing? That's not the way this works. Here's the way it works. Jesus came to rearrange things. 
and people weren't happy about it. Look in Luke 11, second example. Luke 11, 37. Actually, we'll, we'll hop down to 39. Luke 11, now let's just start in 42. Luke eleven forty-two. So Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give a tenth, you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and love and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. Is Jesus making any friends here? He's not. They're going to be hacked. Jesus isn't just saying, you know, we're rearranging things. Jesus looked at those, the scribes and the Pharisees, and he says, woe to you, what you are doing is way beyond what God wants. Here's where you're messing up. Jesus made people mad. I've often said in any, um, we look around sometimes in society, and we see, okay, things aren't the way that they want to be. Things aren't the way we want them to be. Why are things continuing in that way instead of changing? And the answer is almost always this. Look at who is either has power, look at who either is getting power or money from the way things are right now. And they're the ones that are holding it that way. Why? Because we want to hold on to our power. We want to hold on to our money. The Pharisees here want to hold on to their power and their influence and the money they make from that. And when Jesus comes along, as Simeon said, some are going to rise and some are going to fall, and those that are going to fall are not going to be happy about it. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. There's a second thing Simeon says about this kingdom. Luke chapter 2. So back to Luke 2, 34. It, the first thing he says is, this child is destined for the, to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And then he says the second thing, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. The second thing is this. Jesus' kingdom is going to be an agenda to be opposed. Jesus' kingdom is going to be an agenda to be opposed. Um, Sometimes we make the kingdom of God sound like, okay, so here's the message of Jesus. Be nice. Just be nice to everybody. And if you're nice to everybody, that's all God wants. God just wants everybody to be nice. They didn't crucify Jesus because he said, be nice to everybody. He had an agenda. It says there in that verse that he has a sign, that he is a sign that will be spoken against. In other words, what he's going to stand for, the the things he's going to bring forward, the signs that he's going to do are going to be spoken against. People are going to say, no, no, we, we don't want that. We don't want any part of that. Let's look at a couple passages just briefly. Um, look with me in, um, Luke chapter six. Luke 6. I told you we were going to hop around a lot this morning. Luke chapter 6. It says there in verse 1, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, I don't want to get into the whole rest of the passage where Jesus explains it, but let me just say this. They had certain rules, and Jesus came along and did not follow their rules, and they were opposed to what Jesus was putting forward. They didn't like the agenda that he was putting forward. 
they loved their Old Testament law, they wanted to hold on to Old Testament law, and they got power for making sure everybody else had to obey the Old Testament law. And when Jesus came along and said, nope, we're going to do it a different way, they were angry enough to kill him. He had an agenda to be opposed. Look at verse 20, same chapter, Luke 6. Look down at, at verse 20 with me. This is similar to what we read a moment ago. But now he's doing some blessing. It says uh, in verse Luke 6, 20, Look at your disciples. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. He goes on like that. And then down in 24, But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed, for you will go hungry. Again, he's laying out an agenda of what the kingdom of God is, is going to emphasize that people are going to oppose. And today we find that even as we put forward the kingdom of God today, pick any country, there are things that are going to be um, objectionable. Let me give some examples. If you go to India, where they have the caste system, um, okay, these people should be here, these people should be here, these people should be here, everybody's in their caste. We believe, as Christians, that God loves everybody, and that God finds everybody to be equal, and that there is nobody further away from God than anybody else. Do you believe this morning that God loves everybody? I do. And so as I believe that, I, I, if I was in India and they're saying, no, 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 these people are more important, these people are less important, I have to oppose that. Jesus' agenda there is an agenda that's going to be opposed because they're going to say, no, 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 wait, wait, this is the way we do things. And Jesus says, no, I love everybody the same. If you go to America where we love our money, Jesus said, okay, I understand you love your money, but Jesus said that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He's saying, if you pursue the American dream as your life, you are wasting your life. And we're like, wait, 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 wait. No, we really like this. Jesus' agenda is going to be opposed by us as Americans. You go to the Middle East, they emphasize justice and don't like forgiveness. And you say, we're called to, to forgive those that, that, um, that offend us. And they would say, no, 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 we, we don't like that. Again, it's an agenda to be opposed in all these different ways. As Jesus comes forward, he's not just saying, be nice and kind to each other. Jesus has a very specific agenda that he wants us to follow, and there are going to be those that are opposed to it because it doesn't line up with what they already want to do. Go back to Luke chapter 2, the third thing that Simeon says. And this is the most personal of the three. And at the end of it, he not only talks about what all is going to happen in general, but then he has a message from Mary as well. The end of 35. 35 says, So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. We just talked about that as part of the sign that will be spoken against. And then look what he says at the end. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. The third thing is Jesus' kingdom is going to bring personal conviction. Jesus' kingdom is going to bring personal conviction. So in each of our lives, as we listen to what Jesus has to say, it's going to bring conviction where maybe we're not living the way that we should. And again, to go to something we were alluding to earlier, a lot of people, you know, I want a little bit of God in my life. I want to you know, come and have a nice Christmas Eve service and, and, and see the glowing candles and all that and go out you know, feeling better about myself. One of the things we need to understand is that as we come to Jesus, He's not just going to say, listen, you are 
you are great the way you are. I, I want you to just keep living your life the way that you are now. I love everything about you. I just want you to show up for church at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Other than that, just leave your life the way that it is. No, that's not what he wants. Jesus wants to transform us into people who are like him. He wants to confront our sin. He wants to confront our selfishness. He wants to confront our greediness. He wants us to become people like him. And so, as we get into the Word and understand it, what's going to happen? End of 35. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Even the mother of Jesus ended up with her own soul having conviction. Her own soul being pierced by the words of Christ. Why? Because Jesus doesn't come to just say, just keep these warm and fuzzies and feel good the way you are. Jesus comes to convict us of our sin individually so that we can recognize our need for Him and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. So as we understand all this, it leads to a final question. And the final question is this. Is Jesus' kingdom a baby kitten or a fierce tiger? Is Jesus' kingdom a baby kitten or a fierce tiger? Is Jesus, as he comes forward with his kingdom, is it just warm and fuzzy and everything's great and we all love it? Or did he come to transform the world? Did he come to transform my soul? Did he come to transform your soul? Does he want to turn everything upside down? And going back to our example earlier about that basketball coach, is it something where initially, do you want the world different? Yay, everybody wants the world different. Do you want things transformed? Yay, I want the world transformed. Okay, do you want yourself transformed? I don't know about that. Do you want the world transformed in ways where you're profiting off of things that are not good? Well, I don't know, I kind of like my money. We all want change as long as it doesn't cause us to change. And Jesus comes here, and as we read those passages there, it's words of conviction, it's words of challenge, it's words of difficulty. Jesus didn't come to just say, let's light some candles on Christmas Eve and say everything is great and just stay the way we are. Jesus came to change the world. He came to bring forward this kingdom that was going to make things different. Some that were down were going to be up, and some that are so full of their pride now are going to find themselves at the bottom. Those of us that are comfortable in our own souls are going to find conviction coming. It's a kingdom that's going to be very different than the one where everything is easy and everything is nice. But here in the birth narrative, as they come and bring the baby Jesus, before Jesus has done anything other than being born, He hasn't done a miracle at this point, He hasn't healed anybody, He hasn't taught anything, and Simeon sees the baby and says, here's what's going to happen. Some are going to rise in this kingdom and some are going to fall. Some are going to find conviction. Some are going to oppose this agenda. This is not going to be easy. But this is why Jesus came. The kingdom of God has come to transform the world. And even at this early stage, Simeon said, this is what this guy's going to do. Now, I'm not going to say that I, I like being convicted, but I will say this. I recognize that I'm a sinner, and I need change in my life. And even though it hurt, I'm thankful that Jesus loved me enough to convict me. I look around at the world and the evil that is in it, and I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't come and say, we're just going to leave things the way that they are, but that Jesus came to change this world into a world that is more like His. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it does mean that what He puts forward is worthwhile. 
It's something that we want to be a part of. If we recognize it's going to hurt a little bit, but then he's going to bring forward change in a way that's going to allow our world to be more like him and less like it is now. Is Jesus' kingdom cute and cuddly? Or did he come to transform the world? Jesus came to transform the world. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning. We recognize that oftentimes comfort's what we want most. But we are thankful that Jesus didn't just come to leave us in our mess, but that he came to do something new. Father, we freely confess to you this morning the world's a mess, the way that it is in its natural state. And to go back to what Preston said earlier, Father, we want, one of the reasons we pray for fire from heaven is we want to see more of you and less of the world, the way that it usually is. Father, we believe in the kingdom of Jesus. We believe in the kingdom of God. We believe in its values and its priorities, even though they will be opposed because it's not what the world wants to do. Father, help us to live for the kingdom of Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.